0: Hey there, and welcome back to my program Afternoons with Mike Heard every day here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Monday through Friday, we always have someone in the studio or on the phone line. Today, I've got two ladies, one I know and one I've just met. So first of all, with me in the studio is Dawn Sipley. Dawn and I go back. I met her not long after moving back to Orlando in 19. And Dawn is the granddaughter of a guy that I love and respect uh, so much. He passed away years ago. His name is Al Chubb. Used to be the owner of the radio station that I worked for in 1985 through 87 called WAJL. I, I just uh, have wonderful fond memories of Al Chubb and Don Sipley from Sipley the Best is here. And she's been on many times with me already, also with Mark Goldstein just recently. Don, it's great to have you here.
1: It's great to hear be here, Mike. Thank you so much.
0: Now, I know you. we've talked about this a number of times before. You've got a great kind of a legacy, a heritage in radio. Your grandfather, I knew you spent a lot of time at that radio station, right?
1: I sure did. I, I ran the halls very quietly as a <laughs> as a young girl when that on-air light was flashing.
0: And, and you would have known Martha Tiller. Yes, Martha oh.
1: Tiller and her white dogs.
0: Oh, yeah. Little Brian Jamie. Brian
1: Beal and Jamie. You, yep. Yeah,
0: you knew Brian. Yeah. Okay, that's right. What about John Copeland?
1: Oh, gosh, man. I haven't heard these names in forever. Yeah. yeah
0: and Mike Camlin. Yes. These are guys yes. that I worked with. Yeah, yeah. And love uh and I haven't got the same. Billy Sue Robinson. Billy uh, uh, was amazing. It was Billy that gave me the mug <laughs> that when uh on my last day there, I got a mug and a plate from W A J L and I treasure those mementos. Uh and they're uh and they're on my bookcase right now. So fantastic. Yeah. So Dawn has a great history in radio. So it's always fun to have her here. Uh Dawn is also the uh, president of her own company. And it's called Simply the Best, basically an HR company, right?
1: It is. It is. We teach employers how to hire better. And then we also walk with job seekers through the job seeking process. It can be brutal out there sometimes. And it's just such a gifting to be able to walk through that dark season with them and, and edify them.
0: That's really a blessing for people who are without a job mm. and looking for a job. I think that is one of the most stressful time. For any man, a provider or a woman who is looking for a uh, uh, a job, it doesn't matter if it's teen, doesn't matter if they're older like me, when you are needing a job, it's great to have the resource and help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, it's just such an honor to walk that path on both sides of the fence.
0: And you deal with a lot of different type of customers. And we've talked about all of that. And what I know about you, what I've seen about your work already and your website, you do a great job.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And uh, it's really great to have a pro up here like you. Now, on the line with us is somebody not related with simply the best in the sense of her business, but she's very related to Don through a recent trip. That, now, did you know Stephanie? We've got Stephanie on the line. I'll I'll let you introduce her. Uh, And her name, uh, uh, other than Stephanie, Uh, but did you know her prior to? This uh, recent trip to Honduras.
1: Remarkably, I had not. They had Conexus had originally brought me in because they were looking for a strong female entrepreneur presence for the Conexus Global um, Summit that was happening.
0: That's a cool name, right They're, there, Conexus. Yes, that's great. And
1: um, it was Rodney's grand or Rodney's parents that were good friends with Stephanie's grandparents, who were the founders of. Right. Good Samaritan Baptist Mission. So that's kind of how I got to know her. And then upon arrival, she was my amazing interpreter, making me sound much smarter than I actually am. <laughs> and so we spent a week together um, and traveled the entire country and spent hours in the van. And And she was really able to share what they're doing there at Good Samaritan Baptist Mission. And it was incredible. It was a life-changing experience Well, for I'll me. let
0: you go ahead and introduce her then. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. So um, Stephanie um, is just absolutely amazing. She is um, uh, married with two tiny humans uh, herself <laughs> and running this huge mission in Honduras that has that that creates pastors um, and gets them or is it ordained, Stephanie? I don't they, feel like
2: yes. They, they graduate from the Bible school, Bible as, school. As, as pastors and ministers and they can go and start. Yeah. Planning churches in different
1: areas. And I was able to receive an amazing presentation and tour of the school that they have um, down there where they're educating about 600 students. Is that correct right now? 1,200. 1,200. Okay, that's right. Double it. Right, right. (laughs) And then um, they feed, feed people all over um Honduras and uh Costa Rica and El Salvador and and beyond uh so her hands are just in so many uh, Potts, and, and her husband was just recently appointed as president. And the beautiful thing about Otto um, is that he he was actually a student there, a sponsored student, and it was through the schooling that really changed his life, and he was able to v- develop a relationship with Christ. And look at all these years later, he's mm-hmm. he's now Mr. Presidente. <laughs> uh, Presidente of? Yeah, of the Honduran um good Samaritan Baptist mission. That's
0: wonderful. Yeah. Now, Stephanie, is it Maya? Is that how you would pronounce your name?
2: Mejia. Mejia is Uh, my last name.
0: That's why I needed you to do that. (laughs) Yeah. The
2: J J is like an H sound.
0: Now, you know English a whole lot better than I know any other language, period. Maybe even English, too. (laughs) Uh, So it is great to have you here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Mike. And, Don, and we had an amazing time. It was so, so great to be able to get to know her. And we, we definitely...
0: Uh, I'm sorry. We're having a little line connection. Say that again.
2: I'm sorry. I hope that, I hope that the line is good. Sometimes the connection can be bad from here. But, uh, no, we're, we're, I'm, I'm so thankful for letting you, for having me. And, and um, thank you so much for that. And also, we had just an amazing time with Dawn. It was amazing to be able to get to know her, and I feel like we've gained a lifelong friend. So we're we're very thankful for that.
0: Don't you love it when you meet somebody like Dawn and you feel like you've known her for your entire lifetime?
2: That's really great. Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course, yes, definitely. It's, she was amazing. It was just so good to be able to spend that time with her. We've learned from her, and just be able to serve together so that that really, and in our experience, you know, when you serve with other people uh-huh. and serve and, and and get to serve alongside them, that really helps you uh, bond with them in a way that maybe you wouldn't in, the, in another way. So
0: that's right.
2: We're very thankful for that.
0: Now you sound like you're just from, uh, you know, a neighboring state. How how did that happen? How, how uh, did you learn English? Like because this is your second language, right?
2: <laughs> so my grandparents, uh, I guess, I guess, in a sense, you could say that English is my first language just because of my education. Um, my grandparents, of course, are from Villarica, Georgia, um, just west of Atlanta. So that you know, makes perfect it's sense. Very then. Sim- Yes, <laughs> very simple, very southern. And yes, I was born in the United States, but I was brought to Honduras when I was three weeks old. So I've been here my entire life. Wow. <clears throat> However, I grew up with my grandparents. My my grandma and I were actually just just. You know, connected to the hip. I mean, we were joined at the hip, and um, and of course, I I caught onto her 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 you know southern twang and all of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yes, it, it, that's yeah. You know, I grew up with them my, my entire life, but here in Honduras. So so inside our home, it was every everything was in English, but then outside, of course, everything was in Spanish.
0: So, so growing up, I've I've wanted to ask this question for somebody like you. Now, I don't know that I've heard this exact kind of scenario ever uh, someone's right. experienced like what has happened to you. You're, uh, when I said nearby state, uh, Georgia, yeah, that's pretty close to Florida. So uh, you're right. right there. So you have that as your background, you know, English speaking grandparents, and yet you grow up in a country immersed in another language, another culture, and right. you, you were able to learn both of those. Was that a confusion for you or did that happen easily?
2: Not at all. I mean, I honestly don't really know any difference. I mean, I grew up with both and I don't ever remember a time where I was, um, you know, confused trying to learn the both or anything. Um, I was, in fact, when I was in about first grade, uh, Dawn talked about our schools. We have Christian schools here. My grandma put me in one in, in our Christian school in first grade. And she put me in as a listener to to see how I did, and and I did great. It was it was it was great. And then, but then in the fourth grade, I ended up uh, she ended up starting to uh, homeschool me so that I could you know have that uh, English background, and 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 we traveled a lot, so that allowed me to do that. But my mom is actually from Honduras. My dad married uh, married a girl from San Marcos de Colon. And so um I'm half Honduran actually. I was born in the States, but I also have Honduran citizenship as well. Wow. Uh, so yeah. I, I just it's just it's just been a part of my life, my entire life and and yeah, I don't know any different. So
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, I think your your brain just grows to uh, double size right there. That's why it must happen. Because I get confused <laughs> with one language much less much less too. But you're doing great, and it's so exciting to hear this. And you got to meet Stephanie now. You, uh, She mentioned that you were her interpreter. Now, that is in itself an art and a skill that has to be, I would think, developed, right? There's a lot of really strong listening skills that you have to have, sure. and, and you've got to have a, a mastery of both languages to be able to turn around and in real time interpret that, right?
2: Right. It is. It is. I will have to say that my grandma really pushed me towards that that side of things. Um, Of course, when we have teams that come down, we we have a team of translators here uh, that work with them, help them translate for if they sponsor a child. That way they can communicate with their child or anything, really, if they're talking to anyone. We have translators on hand to be able to help. So as I was growing up, And I would, you know, go to the office, to the mission center with my grandma and work with groups. She would have me to help translate if they were communicating with a child or or whoever. Um, As I grew up and we would go to churches, she would uh, have me go up on stage and help translate for the testimonies if they shared a Mm -hmm. testimony. Um, And then... It wasn't too long until we didn't have want someone to help us uh, with translating for the messages. If a if a pastor or a preacher came from the states and wanted to preach at a church, they needed to translate her for that. And I remember she she would make me go, and I I did not want to do that. I felt like no, a message is different. You have you know it's I I I don't want to people not understand it, and I don't want to do a bad job because I just felt like that was a whole other level. Um, but she she made me do it, and honestly, years later, I thank her for that because I feel like it really helped me, and um, I was able to to learn how to, you know, like you said, listen very well and quickly translate things, and, and I actually do enjoy it now. So.
0: <laughs> well, you learned a lot of theology in the process. Was there ever a time that? I mean, uh, you. It sounds like you grew up immersed in teaching and the church. Uh, do you remember when it became personally real to you in your life? What was that like?
2: Oh yes, definitely. Well, I know that I, I received Christ when I was when I was uh, seven years old. With my grandma, <clears throat> she helped lead me to the Lord, and and so I, I, it's obviously been a part of my li- part of my life, my entire life. But I feel like when I was in high school, I definitely grew a real. Intentional love for the Lord and for wanting to share that with others. Um, I remember, in in, 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 in uh, probably in my last years of high school, going into college, um, I would talk to my grandma about really wanting to for people not to just have their salvation, but also be able to grow in the Lord and and uh, not just think of it as like a religious checkbox thing, but actually mm-hmm. something that they you know, that intimacy, grow that intimacy with, with them. And, and that was something that, that I was very passionate about. And thankfully, my husband was the same way as well. So we we truly love discipleship, and we love it when we can help people to to, to just grow in the Lord and, and grow that intimacy and, and be able to then put that into practice in their everyday life.
0: So That is so great. And you <laughs> met your husband. Tell us again about how that all happened. <laughs>
2: So Adol, uh, the way he tells people to pronounce his name, it, it, you you it you spell it like Harold without the H, but you pronounce it Adol like bottle without the B. So you take bottle and take the B off, and then you have his name, Adol. Adol. Adol, there you go. So he was a student here in uh, Good Samaritan. Um, he originally came along. with His, his bro- older brother and sister were also here, and then he came along when he was old enough. Uh, lived in the dorms. We have dorms for students seventh grade and up for those who live too far away to travel. And my house, where I lived, happened to be right next door to the boys' dorm. So, of course, I had a lot of friends. In seventh grade, I continued homeschooling, but I also went to our high school on the side, like as a listener, so that I could have the social aspect of mm-hmm. everything, get involved in school, make some friends. Probably the best thing my grandma could have let me do. Um, best of and both so, worlds. Of course, I yeah. made friends. Yes, yes, exactly. I got to have a little bit of both worlds. But I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, but we were we, we became best friends in high school. Uh we had a dance team, if you ever seen the typical dancing with the the girls with the long skirts that they stretch out and then the, you know, guys and they dance and we had a dance team like that. So he was my partner for a year. And uh we just we just became best friends. We nothing happened during high school. I did like him during high school but nothing happened. <laughs> We didn't date or anything, and then about a year, a, a little under a year after we graduated high school, we got back in touch again, um, dated for six years, and then my grandma passed away in 2016, and we got married just a few months after that, mm. um, In that, and it's amazing because in that same month, the job that he had that helped him get through college, uh, he lost it right when he graduated college, so God... God took it away when he didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the board of Good Samaritan called him to ask him to come and work for Good Samaritan. So that's something. Uh, it was just it, God put all the pieces together. And, and now, you know, he's allowed us to, to be able to lead the work. So.
0: so that's great. Now, Dawn, you went down there to work with this ministry. When you went down, what did you think you were going to be going for?
1: You know, I, I thought that I was going for selfish reasons to bring my entrepreneurial knowledge um, to those in Honduras, and I really ended up getting so much more out of it. I, that, than,
0: I hear that all that. the time. I mean, that's part of part and parcel to missions, right? It you is. think you're going down there to give, right. and you get down there <laughs> and you receive.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So I was really being a part of nonprofits here in Central Florida for such a long time, sitting on boards of directors. I was just massively impressed with the operations um, that they have going down there. It's very organized. Um, it's um, <clears throat> there's so many different verticals from the Bible Institute to the school to the feeding the hungry to the radio station um, to to sponsorship to meeting the needs of the local community there, and it's just really endless the impact that they have on on the whole country, much less where they're headquartered there in San Marcos de Colon.
0: So what is the, um, Stephanie, what is the culture like right now, uh, kind of the atmosphere in your area where you are? What's it like socially down there?
2: Oh, my goodness. So socially in general in, in Honduras, the people are very friendly, very mm-hmm. community-oriented, very family-oriented um and especially in San Marcos de Colon i mean if you're walking the street it, I, and we i think we talked about a little bit about this when don was here mm-hmm. or or when a group was here when you're walking down the street people people in the states at least you you stay in your lane you don't really look, make eye contact you don't look at people or anything mm-hmm. uh but here you know they'll look at you they'll smile and say hi you know and they'll say good morning good afternoon i mean people are very friendly very open Um, and there's a sense of, of course, Latin America in general is known to not have, uh, not be very punctual (laughs) Hmm. in the sense that things just do not happen on time. Island time is what some people refer to that, right? (laughs) Right. But, uh, the, up the other side of that is that people are just not in a rush, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not in a rush. They're not looking at their clocks. They're ready to spend time with you. Things may start late, but people are not in a, in a rush to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, there's definitely a very good sense of just community and family and, 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 and family extending not only to just blood family, but, you know, friends and neighbors. And so I, I, we love that aspect of it.
0: That sounds great. Stephanie is with us from the Good Samaritan Mission in Honduras, and that's where she is. Dawn Sipley is here in the studio. I'll be back with both in a moment. We're up against a break. pastors, and financial leaders. Do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Stephanie Mejia is in Honduras, and she's on the line with me. Also here in the studio, my friend Don Sipley from Sipley the Best, and she's here. She recently took the trip. That kind of, I think it's not wrong to say it's one of those things where you take a trip, and it kind of changes your life. I mean, that's really what happened, right, Don?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It just gave me a whole new perspective on things and a different level of gratitude than I've had um, previously.
0: You know, we've talked about that uh, in the last segment, a a lot about how people's experiences when they take a missions trip, and it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, to a nearby island uh, Mm -hmm. country or maybe across the world, uh, all the way to mission trips that happened in India, like for example. Every time I've ever heard of one, the people that go come back radically changed, radically impacted. And, uh, you know, for you, Stephanie, I know that you're there because of uh, kind of a similar thing. You were born in Georgia. How did, you know, how did that happen that you end up in Honduras? You went and it really changed your life.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's been part of my life for for, ever since I can remember. So um, when my grandparents decided to come to to, first to Nicaragua, then to Honduras as missionaries, it was it was it definitely was something that uh, that. That impacted the rest of my future because, you know, sure. they, of course, they had my dad here. My dad met my mom, and 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 I just I've been I have dual citizenship, so Honduras is part of me as well. So it's it, it's home. It's definitely home for me.
0: That's a really exciting thing to see, and your parents and grandparents uh, all having this vision and this a heart for that area uh, honduras is uh, now what's it what's the weather like in honduras right now
2: um honduras it, you know depending on the on the region you're you're in <clears throat> the in the north it's definitely more tropical uh, because you're close to the northern coast uh and then we're in the south we're in the very south of honduras we're just 15 minutes away from the nicaraguan border um, here, we only have two seasons, uh, dry season and rainy season. And currently, we're in dry season. It, it will start to rain next month. Rainy season is coming next month. But normally, in the dry season, of course, it's very hot, very dry, um, still humid, but just just everything just looks gray and dry. But in the rainy season, it rains almost every day, and it becomes beautiful. The mountains are big and green and lush. So we get both extremes.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I uh, I've been to some areas where I've experienced just a little bit of that, but uh, it sounds like that uh, is a, a really great area for you, Southern Honduras. And you were how long were you there, Don? When you visited?
1: Yeah, we were there for a week.
0: Wow. And I'm sure you uh, had a lot of uh, different types of experiences in in this country than what you were used to.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a country that's very divided economically. So it's, you know, polarized in the have and and have nots. And the level of poverty is different. You know, it can break your heart to learn that some kids, the only meal that they'll get in a day is the meal that is given to them by their school. Mm -hmm. And um, for some children in Honduras, they don't have that guarantee. And starvation for some kids is a, is a reality. They're literally living off the land. And in these dry seasons, it can be hard. Um, Stephanie's husband, you know, was a sponsored child into the program. He faced extreme poverty as a child and was able to share his testimony um, on what that looked like. So for him, to now be leading the organization that impacted his life so heavily is such a beautiful thing to me. Because it really is. I don't think anyone um, can lead the way someone can lead when they've had a, a radical transformation like yeah. that.
0: It becomes first-hand story then for your life. It does, and it that's does. and he's got a lot invested. Obviously, not only his love for the people, his love for what he does, but his entire background is due to the the outreach mm-hmm. that. Stephanie, your uh, your folks began, so that's just exciting. Now, this one of the uh, things—it's not every day that a mission work would have a, as much involvement as you've had in broadcasting. How did that come about?
2: <laughs> so, my dad actually started a uh, Samaritan Radio Network back in, I believe, in nineteen ninety. So, it's just as old as I am, about thirty years old, um, and they wanted to be able to reach areas of Honduras that possibly none of our pastors or churches could ever reach, you know, places that were extremely remote. Um, And of course, radio is a big thing here, and and, and especially back in those days Mm -hmm. when not not very many people had TVs or even phones. Of course, we have the Internet now, but there's still, still, you know, people that listen to radio. So they want to be able to use that platform to share the gospel with as many people as possible.
0: Now the radio station that you have is an AM station, right?
2: We actually have nine different stations and I believe that we have about three or four FM stations and the others are AM stations. Mm So we, we have some of
0: those. <laughs> now, I know that AM works so much better in the mountains, the mountainous regions than FM, FM line of sight, just the way the broadcasting world without getting into the weeds, uh, it can be uh, difficult to go out uh, past mountains. You hit mountains and you get some interference while radio, uh, while AM radio, though, uh, handles uh, those mountains quite well. And so that's really great that you have a little bit of both and you're able to do it. Yes. And so he had this heart, and isn't it amazing how that he had a heart to reach people through radio, and you uh, you start something, and I'm sure he started small, just like everybody does. First thing you know, you've got all these stations, all these outreaches, and you're able to take the gospel. Where do you get your programming for those stations?
2: So we get our programming from different places. Some, we have some live programs, and in the past, we've had even our pastor's uh, record or either go live and have uh, preaching programs and, and different kind of programs like that. Um, but then we also get taped programs from, for example, translated programs from people like like Adrian Rogers. Um, mm-hmm. We I think we've had some from Charles Stanley and from different American preachers that they translated in Spanish and we're able to to, to broadcast that here. And of course, music. Um, we have some paid programming. We've had educational programming. Where they teach kids uh, how to read on the radio, Um, medical programming so people can call in. Let the person who does the program, which is usually a doctor, will you know they'll tell them what their their ailments are and he can give recommendations and things like that. So just a lot of different things.
0: So it's a good across the board range then uh, in terms of the the type of programs you offer: some music, some teaching some call in mm-hmm. some, uh, talk radio then. Right. Right. right.
2: Yes. Definitely.
0: Wow. <laughs> so what was it like for you, Dawn, with your background in radio, you knew a lot about it growing up from your grandfather. What was that like for you to get there and see what they're doing?
1: Yeah, it was an incredible experience, especially because we had started our trip off in southern Honduras, which was extremely rural and some of the most extreme poverty that I've ever seen in my life. And then to go into the city, I really thought that it was going to be a, a dilapidated, um, you know, setup, And I was really impressed with the the equipment that they had, the recording studio that they had. Um, it was very beautiful and um but then they shared with me that one of their towers was down, one, their most powerful tower, actually. And and I felt kind of the Holy Spirit moving in me like, oh, this is your mission. This is what you're called mm. to do. And I was like, oh, Lord, don't call me to this, <laughs> you know. And when I turned around, I saw my grandfather's favorite scripture up on on the wall and... And so I, you know, left that day saying, I want to do what I can to impact this station. Cause like what Stephanie shared, um, you know, the, the rural roads up these mountains to these people who are living in a very isolated style, they don't have the ability to turn on a TV or have a computer. They don't have Wi Fi. They really just have these battery powered radios. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so to see this tower come back up in in live again is important, you know. It it has an impact on on real lives, on real souls.
0: You know, and part of the from what I remember from your telling uh, Mark Goldstein is that uh, Stephanie the the kind of the environment, just the air, uh, salt, etc., just the environment itself, it kind of took its toll on the old tower, right? And that's what's happened. Yeah. So there's this need for repair of that tower.
2: Yes, this this tower in particular is in the city of La Ceiba. That is on the northern coast of Honduras. So the tower, if you're if you're standing on the tower, you can actually see the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just up the hill a little bit from the from the beach from the ocean. And so definitely the salt in the air has corroded the metal and all the 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 the, the hardware equipment on the the tower. And so it's definitely even needing some repairs. I don't know all the technical terms for all the equipment, but they need to change out some of the equipment, paint, repaint the tower to to protect it from the corrosion and just different things like that.
0: So that's a pretty big thing. And again, you were hit, uh, Don. Kind of sharing exactly what uh, what the burden that that the Lord gave you. When we we know any time the Lord gives a burden, yeah. it's his his uh, doing. And it's not like it's a heavy thing for you. It's a joyous thing for you,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, for the Good Samaritan Baptist Mission, this is their largest church. They reach more people than any one pastor could ever reach on a given day. Um, and, you know, the the story that we had kind of shared was the the man who had become paralyzed and he had suffered his whole life, you know, as an able bodied man. And then he loses his mobility and through his his what you would think is a devastating situation through the radio station, he was able to find so much joy and redemption and um, salvation in the Lord by listening to this station. And so right now he he lays in that room in silence and that that stings my heart because mm-hmm. I know his story. He he isn't alone, and Stephanie's very blessed with Brother Juan that is um, down in Honduras. He's a, a businessman who came to Christ himself through the radio station, and he has really volunteered um, very heavily and even contributed financially to to this station. And so um, the continued support, I think, mm-hmm. for media we is something we take. So for granted here in the United States, we can turn on our TVs, we can flip on our smartphones, we can have access to information. So even outside of the fact that this station is saving souls, for some people, just the humanity of hearing someone else's voice is is powerful because we know that Satan works in, those, in the, the darkness and in the silence.
0: So did you hear the Lord in your own heart say, you got to get involved in this? I know yeah. you said you saw your grandfather's favorite mm-hmm. scripture as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was I was really moved and brought to tears while I was there um, in the station and just, um, you know, laid on my heart that I will do what I can in my power to be able to bring, I mean, $17,000 is nothing to reach thousands and thousands of people. Um, they, she has the manpower right there in Honduras that is willing and ready and waiting for this money to come in the door so they can get this tower reactivated. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to be a part of that. So me personally, I would never ask anyone to give if they were not giving. So I have, um, dog-eared, um, all of my speaking engagement fees—that half of everything that I earned—that um, I earned through my speaking engagements—I will be giving back to the wow. Good Samaritan Baptist Mission, and then taking opportunities like this to share the good work that Stephanie is is doing there, because she's very involved in the day to day. She's raising her family and pushing this mission in Honduras forward, but it is. Um, people like us that uh, have influence, who, who have, um, you know, uh, American dollars, which I, it's, it sounds so cliche, but, you know, just so few dollars can make such a big impact in, mm-hmm. in a country that is, is facing poverty like they are in some areas.
0: And you're right. When you talk, when you think about uh, the cost of a radio station in the U.S., the ongoing things uh, yeah. to build a station, to build a tower... You're talking about multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Right. It's it's a lot. So to hear a, a, a major thing like that for seventeen thousand, yeah, that's very reasonable. It's
1: extremely reasonable.
0: Yeah. And how can people Stephanie, how can people hear if they are hearing Don and you today and they say, Hey, I would like to make a donation to that, how can that happen?
2: They can go to our website, GoodSamaritan.ms, M is a mom, S is in Sam. <laughs> And then they can uh, go to the ministries tab and click on Samaritan Radio. They can read all about the radio there on that page. And on the bottom, there's a donation box, and they can fill that out and and um, and donate towards towards. And they can put in the notes section. Donna's been uh, uh, promoting to, to to note hashtag Chubb for her grandfather, uh, and so that way we know that that goes for the Las Vegas station. And um, that's how we that's how they can go in and, and donate.
0: That's really great. Hashtag Chubb. And that's C-H-U-B-B. And again, I happen to know that because I knew your grandfather quite well. And he was a wonderful man to my own children. As I told uh, the audience for Mark's show, my own kids called him grandfather, you know, grandfather Al. So that's what he was. Uh, He, we had moved here from Indiana, did not have any family around and Al took it upon himself to, to be that grandfatherly role for my kids. I'll never forget it. I will always appreciate it. And so uh, Al and Elaine were just dear to Cindy and me, and we love both of them. And it's always great to be around Don because I remember all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've got just another couple of minutes in this section. Uh, Just give us another thought for a moment, if you will, Don, about that trip that you took because you you knew you were going down to speak, Mm -hmm. but you, you had no idea what was waiting there for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the all the tours and seeing all the different areas that, that they were able to impact um, was just such a blessing. And, and to do it on such little um, funding and with so much heart. I mean, even the teachers that are teaching the children, they themselves came up through the generations of, you know, of the school and whatnot. And, you know, you don't see often nonprofits that were founded in the 60s and 70s thriving and doing well. And it just really brought home to me what one man saying yes to Christ can do for an entire nation. Uh, He's made, you know, um, Bob Tyson and Joan Tyson have made so many disciples out of so many men and so many nations and impacted lives generationally. And I know that they're just, up there in heaven, celebrating that impact. So, um, so grateful for Stephanie's grandparents, you know, doing something crazy, coming home, selling their house, selling all their wares and packing their bags, first going to the mountains of Virginia and then, and then to, um, to another, a whole other country yeah. and leaving everything behind, not knowing the language.
0: It's so exciting that both of you are so impacted by your grandparents. That is so cool. And
1: p- grandparents are important people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful. I have 10 grandchildren, and it is wonderful to be involved in their lives and to see the kind of impact that your grandfather, uh, both of your grandparents uh, have had in your lives. It, it's really neat. Now, that website, again, is goodsamaritan.ms. And uh, that is uh, easy enough to find, goodsamaritan.ms. And if you'd like to give to this Tower Project, you can do so right there securely on their website. And if you will, in the notes section, do what they suggested, what Stephanie suggested. Uh, Put hashtag Chubb, hashtag C-H-U-B-B, and that would be great. We'll be back with both of my guests in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back again now for segment three and in the studio with me is Dawn Sipley from Sipley the Best. And on the line with us is Stephanie Mejia from Good Samaritan Baptist Mission in Honduras. And so the whole mission work that you do there, again, it's varied. You have everything from the radio station ministry that we talked about, a number of stations reaching out with the gospel to those areas that you reach. But tell us, kind of give us an overview about some of the other ministries of Good Samaritan.
2: Sure. Um, And if I may, I'll kind of backtrack to get into that of how my grandparents even came to, to Honduras. Um, Please, yeah. My, my grandparents were just very normal people, very basic people, uh, very ordinary people in Villarica, Georgia. Uh, my grandpa had—they uh, never had children at that time. They thought they couldn't have children. And my grandpa had had previously been called to preach, but he actually traveled to a church in, in Atlanta because he wanted to go listen to his former pastor preach. His grandma—I mean, my, my grandma, his wife stayed— stayed back home that night. And so uh, when he got there, he saw this man putting up a, 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 a like a, a screen and a slide projector, and, and he found out that it was going to be a missionary who was going to speak that night instead of his former pastor. And he was actually pretty disappointed about that. He had no interest in listening to a missionary. He didn't really know what a missionary was. And so this missionary started telling about towns and villages in northern Nicaragua, who had never heard the gospel, never had a Bible, some you know, they, the, 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 the priests in those areas didn't allow them to have to read because they, they taught the people that they couldn't understand it. Um, so they didn't know anything about the gospel. And so this missionary shared and said, who would be willing to go anywhere at any time and do anything that God would have you to go and do? And then he followed along with that and said, if you're not willing to go anywhere at any time and do anything that God would have you to go and do, then God can't use you. And my grandpa really wanted to be used by the Lord. And so he felt like the floor was going to swallow him up. He felt his heart beating in his chest really hard. And so he finally raised his hand and he said, I'll go. And so just like Don shared earlier, they sold everything they had. Well, he came back home that night and woke up my grandma. And he said, honey, our lives will never be the same after tonight. And she said, what happened? And he said, God's called me to be a missionary. And she said, well, what does that mean? And he said, that means we're going to sell out everything we've got and we're going for the Lord. And she said, well, where are we going? And he said, I can't pronounce it, but we're going. <laughs> of course, That's before
1: the Internet, right? Wow.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Of course, this is Nicaragua. And they did. Just like Don shared, they sold everything they had. They went to Bible college for three and a half years before going, and then they went to Costa Rica for a year to learn the language. They said that was the, the hardest year of their entire lives, learning Spanish. And then they finally went to Nicaragua and started working there, establishing churches. My grandpa really believed in training national pastors Mm because he knew that they knew the language better than he would ever know it. They knew the culture. They knew the people. There's no one better to reach their own people than than the locals and the nationals there.
0: Sure.
2: And so he he invested in them, and and he just really built a team together, and they would go and, and put up a tent in different areas. Um, they would put it up for 30 days, and they would have preaching every night for those 30 days. But he wouldn't give an invitation until halfway through, because he, he, he used to say, I'm not going to pick them green, because he said, these are people that have never heard the gospel. We're going to let the, let it sink in, let them learn, and then uh, offer an invitation to come to the Lord. But, you know, fast forward from there, of course, the, the war hit in Nicaragua. They were forced to come to Honduras um, to flee from the war, uh, the civil war. And they had a choice of either leaving and going back to the States or staying and continuing on the work here. And of course they decided to continue on here. This is where God had, God had called them and God had just moved them from Nicaragua to Honduras. So fast forward to now, you know, we have in Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, and Costa Rica, we have, um, about 200 churches, Um, about 160 pastors, and I say less pastors because some of our pastors pastor multiple churches, Um, their main church and then church plants that they're working on. Um, And then, of course, later on, my grandma felt touched to start a a program called Feed the Hungry program where we feed 2,500 kids every day with a hot meal of food, a hot plate of food. Uh, And so they come to the feeding center. They learn about the Lord. They pray. They sing. They learn a Bible story. And then they're taught that it's Jesus who's sending them the food um, years later that led into our sponsorship program, which is called opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and that's where sponsors in the United States can sponsor a child. They can, uh, and that provides for their education, for their school supplies, their, uh, uniforms and shoes and, and everything that they need for school. Then That's how my husband came into the, into the, the mission because he had a sponsor as well. Um, and we've, by experience, we've seen that it not only changes the life of the child, but also the life of the sponsors. Sure. And so it's a beautiful yeah. relationship to see, um, and of course, alongside that, but alongside the feed the hungry program, we also have feed the elderly, where we're feeding seventy senior, senior citizens every day. And in fact, we we had to close it, of course, during COVID during COVID since they couldn't come to the feeding center we were feeding them we were giving them a food bag every two weeks so that they can at least be getting some meals but a big thing about the feed elderly kitchen is that they have a place to come they have a place to come and sell, they sing they have devotion and they eat and so it's more than just the food it's the actual feeling of community because a lot of these elderly their kids have grown, grown up and they've gone and they've pretty much abandoned their, their parents. And so it's a place for them to give them community. And today we're reopening the feeding center full-time, five days a week, uh, like it used to be. So we're headed that way uh, once we finish this interview. So we're really excited about that, mm-hmm. about having that, them back open. Um, and, of course, the Christian schools, uh, along with the Opportunity Program, my, grandpa, my grandparents wanted to offer kids a place where they can come and get a Christian education and so that's what our, ki- our our schools offer, and we have the best teachers. They love the Lord. They want to teach their students mm-hmm. well academically, but also with the gospel. And and so every and of course the radio stations, so every ministry that we have, whether it's by feeding them or educating them or radio or and of course the churches, it's all for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them right. in different ways. Mm. Um, and then our mission trips, we have mission we have probably around 20 mission trips, groups that come down every year and doing different things. So that's a huge part of the ministry as well.
0: You know, I got to say hats (laughs) off. Kudos to your grandmother. Your grandfather comes home from a meeting at which your grandmother was not in (laughs) attendance (laughs) and she's hearing him say, our life will never be the same again. What do you mean by that? Uh, Are we going to buy a car? Are we going to buy a new house? What is, no, we're going to go to a foreign country. That I can't even <laughs> pronounce. Now, that there's some faith right. involved in there, right?
2: Oh, oh, amazing faith. You know, and of course, the story is always goes that my grandpa received the calling, and then he came to to share it with my grandma, but the calling was hers as well. And she even mm. wrote about this in her book. If, if, if she had not followed him, and if she didn't take on that calling for herself as well, so if she would have said, no, I'm not going, I'm not leaving my family, I'm not going to sell everything I have, he would have never gone. And so Mm -hmm. it it was definitely great faith in the both of them. And if we remember, this was back in the 60s, late 60s, when there was no Internet. There wasn't, you know, where you can immediately email or text family. They were going to a country where they would have no communication. Isolated. Completely isolated, because if they did any kind of even long distance calling was extremely expensive Uh at the time. And so they would write letters, but it would take. Two to three weeks for their family to even get that letter, so they were definitely very isolated, and it was very different uh, back then in the 60s. So it was it was a huge step of faith, and that's probably the biggest um, legacy or takeaway that I can get from my grandparents. The the biggest legacy that I got from my grandparents is just their complete surrender and their faith in the Lord, and that's just that's what I want to be able to to, to li- the way we want to live our lives today, the way that they just completely surrendered, They completely had total surrender and faith in the Lord, and they literally stepped out on faith, uh, not knowing where they were going, the language they were speaking, the culture they were going to go into, and it was just amazing how God used them, and he used them not because they were completely qualified. They they Mm -hmm. weren't. They were just very simple people, but their obedience, that's all he needed was their obedience. They were obedient, and he was able to use that here in, in, in Central America, so...
0: That is so wonderful. And what a story you have now to tell your own children and grandchildren. This is going to be passed down generations, the impact of your grandfather and grandmother's lives, obviously affecting your own parents and now affecting you right. and your husband coming up through this. What a story. And you know, there's a, a saying that, I don't know if you use this in Honduras, you would have heard it around here. The proof is in the pudding. When you look at the two of you, the proof of the ministry of your grandfather is now being seen in the fact that your own husband is leading the mission. And that is amazing. Oh,
2: amazing.
0: It really is amazing. It's amazing, amazing
2: because I remember when my grandpa used to share and say that his dream or or his vision was that the same we call them opportunity students, that the sponsorship students, the same sponsorship students would one day be the ones running the mm. work, oh, and wow. and that's really what we're seeing not only in adult, uh leading the work, but also also our teachers, you know. Most of our teachers are all uh, are all teach are all, we're all students who came in through the program. They they walk down those hallways with a uniform on as students, but now they're on the other side of things, actually teaching the students that, that's coming after them. So it's it's just a beautiful thing to see, and um, you know we have the privilege of you know 50 years later being able to see the fruits of all their work mm-hmm. and their visions being come coming to true. So.
0: It's a wonderful thing to hear these stories, and I'm reminded of something that actually happened to me in the studios of WAJL years ago when I was contemplating the call of God on our lives. And I had always kind of feared the kind of event that your grandfather experienced hearing a missionary and thinking, I I don't know that I want to hear that because I may end up getting called to Africa. And I was in the studio of WAJL. I don't know why I was thinking about that. And and all of a sudden, I'm hearing one of the speakers, one of the ministers that we had on the air back then made this statement. And it was like he was speaking right to me. He said, you know, if God called you to Africa, that's because that's where you would never be happy anywhere else. Mm. You would need to be there. You would want to be there. And that's exactly what Mm -hmm. happened to your grandparents, right?
2: Oh, Oh, so much. My grandma, in fact, in her book, she used to share and say that there's a verse in the Bible and I don't know the reference now but it talks about lending to the Lord and and mm-hmm. and, and that he will repay, you know, what you give what what you give for him and then it, another verse she used to share about is where it talks about, you know, anyone who's given up fathers and mothers yes. and brothers and sisters and lands and possessions, you know, he will give so much more and she used to share you know when she when they came to central america yes they left their family yes they they lost or they didn't lose but they gave up their homes they gave up their possessions they gave up their jobs their incomes that they had and they lived you know pretty comfortably but she said what i would have missed on mm, mm. if i would have said no mm. and she said what the blessings that i would have missed on the family that i would have gained and she even believes that again they didn't have kids back then as soon as they got to Costa Rica, as soon as they landed in Costa Rica, nine months later, she had my dad. Wow. And so she, they always believed that that was also a gift from the Lord for their obedience.
0: <laughs> That's right. Because they could and not so have kids before. Yeah, they, they hadn't. Could
2: not have, they couldn't have kids before. They yeah. had been married for 12 years, had never had kids. They <sighs> tried. And, what a story. You know, nothing worked. And as soon as they hit. You know, foreign soil. She got pregnant, and she didn't believe it. It took her until she could feel him kick for her to even believe it. But uh, it's just she she used to talk about that a lot. If she would have said no, everything yeah. she can't even fathom the thought of everything that she would have missed out on. All um, the miracles that the Lord had that
1: she got to witness wow. firsthand. amazing!
0: You know? yeah. This is yeah. a great story, Stephanie Mahia. Uh, the website is Good Samaritan dot m s and we've talked about so much friends that are listening you may want to check out this incredible mission in Honduras if you'd like to give please consider and pray about that and you can do that right on that website good Samaritan m s and then just follow the prompts on there to uh, the the button that says donate and uh, you can take part in this Don Sipley. And Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us here today on the program. We're praying for you that God would continue to open doors, that the gospel would go out through the mission, through these radio stations, and uh, to do it with the great love and compare, uh, and compassion that your grandfather had upon the, the vision that God had given him. God bless you both. Thank you for being with me today.
1: Thanks, Mike.
2: Thank you all so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.